It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork. Ross had a vision when he went searching for the next head coach of Ole Miss men's basketball. He wanted a selection Sunday in which Ole Miss wasn't hoping to be in, going into the day knowing it was in, and he got that in year one of Kermit Davis. So Ross Bjork coming up in just a little bit. Ole Miss is an NCAA tournament team, an eight seed in the South region, taking on Oklahoma on Friday, 1140 Central Time, 1240 Eastern. Side of the bracket with Virginia, number one seed. Bennett, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? What do you think of the bracket? Uh, well, I mean, first off, I'm, I'm excited to have uh, Ole Miss come to town. Um, always good to have them in the hometown. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was rooting for the uh, – the Columbia. I was rooting for the eight nine. I was. I got a little worried when they lost to Alabama. I thought they might have lost the uh, the eight nine line. Would have had to go somewhere else. Um, but no, I, I think it's um, it, it's a uh, it's obvious that the committee highly respected this Ole Miss team. They're you know an eight seed. They're I think number thirty one overall on the bid list and um, safely in, like way safely in. 
And so I, I think it's a massive credit to Kermit and, and those players uh, for what they've done because they didn't just make the tournament. They, I mean, they made it by leaps and bounds. They were not in any sort of bubble discussion, weren't even close to the bubble. So it's, um, you know, it, it's a it's a good matchup. And, and I think it's, um, you know, if you're going to get an 8-9, those are always, always pretty good games. I think we're going to have another one there. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does Modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, Contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there. Like recently. <laughs> You're just looking to get the best deal anyway, right? If that's the case, and to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans, so they'll probably want to talk some Ole Miss basketball, baseball, spring football practices, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and make sure you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. When I looked at the final rankings of the teams and saw Ole Miss at 81, 81, 31, all I could think was, man, Bennett and I and whoever has been the guest co-host of Talk of Champions for the last two weeks – have seemingly every single podcast talked about Ole Miss's postseason positioning. And we discussed how they could be left out, how close are they, are they even on the bubble. The whole time we agreed that Ole Miss was safely in the NCAA tournament field. But when I saw that they were that safe, all I could think to myself was, man, all that talk for nothing, there was never a threat. Now, Ole Miss lost four out of its last five games, including the loss to Alabama in the SEC tournament. But good grief, there was no concern whatsoever. Well, you know, it's one of those things where – you know, I, I think it's we get kind of kept up because we're you know when you pay attention to mostly one team, every loss seems bigger than it is, and right. you don't kind of look at what else is going on around the country and the conference and and the bubble. And you know, if you took one look at the bubble teams and the teams that were there and the teams that were trying to get in, there's just you know, Ole Miss their resume was so clean. Like, did they have nine you know you know Q one wins? No, they had four, but you know, they, those well, five, went, but yeah, five, yeah. Um, but, but the ones that really stand out: Baylor, Mississippi State, two against Auburn. Those, are the, those are the four that really stand out. And so, but you know, you look at that; they don't have the big number of wins, but there's just no bad losses. Like, there's nowhere for the committee to ding them and say, "Well, you went to somewhere and, and lost." I mean, it wasn't like a few years ago, Ole Miss goes to state when they're you know Kim Palm two hundred team. And, and get beat down there. Pushing that's three a, that year. Yeah, I mean it's a, that's a resume killer, and almost just didn't have that. You know, they they had good wins, 
and no bad losses. And they played a pretty decent schedule and they had some games that stood out. And um, even if they lost down the stretch, I, I think the committee looked at, the, at their performances against Kentucky and Tennessee and obviously thought pretty favorably of them. So, you know, it wasn't just that Ole Miss got in. I mean, they're an eight seed. They're, um, you know, on the higher side of the eight, nine game. And so I think it's just um, a lot of respect for Ole Miss from, from that committee. That that's pretty apparent. The highest seed Ole Miss has had since 2001. I'm trying to get Jason Harrison on for Thursday's show. It's the NCAA tournament time. Whenever Ole Miss fans think of the NCAA tournament and Ole Miss basketball, Jason Harrison shot against Notre Dame is what pops into mind first, I would expect. So hopefully Jason Harrison is the guy. My biggest takeaway from the field when I look at it in total, the net was the only thing that mattered. The only thing. And Ole Miss being 36th, they were safe, completely safe. But the net, nothing about the RPI anymore, strength of schedule, this, that, and the other. Ole Miss had no bad losses. The worst loss was probably Butler, but no one would have expected that one to be that bad. It was on a neutral site. Nothing but the net. That's the only thing that mattered. Now, I guess the NCAA provided the blueprint for this. They told you what you needed to do. You needed to schedule strong, beat some of those teams, and keep your net in that 35-ish to 40-ish range, and you were fine. Oklahoma got in at 19 and 13 overall and 7 and 11 in the Big 12. But why? Right. They scheduled strong, and they've got some quality, quality wins on their NCAA tournament resume, including that win at home over over Kansas, which probably punched their ticket. Yeah, I mean, it, that's not peak Kansas, but it's still, you know, that's still a pretty good Kansas team. I mean, they, you know, so uh, they do that, and they're able to – they got a couple of bad losses. You know, they, they lose to – I think they lost twice to a um, – this is probably Bob Huggins, one of his worst teams at West Virginia, and he beat them twice this year. But, yeah, you know, they played a pretty good non-conference. They, they played Wofford. They played Florida. You know, they got uh, they got Vanderbilt in the, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge and absolutely destroyed them and what could have been a, a bad loss had they lost it. So, yeah, you know, they're, they're two pretty similar teams from a resume standpoint. And, and like you said, the committee kind of gave you the blueprint. And the only thing that they really ding teams for is, you know, they didn't let in some bubble teams that had, you know, four, five, six Q1 wins, but that had – uh, 13, 14, 15 opportunities against those teams just didn't win them. So like NC State had a bunch of Q1 games, but they lost most of them. Same thing with Clemson. Neither of those teams got in. So I think the committee said play good teams. Um, and, and But obviously, you know, at, at the end of the day, the net carried it and those big time wins um, are, are what are going to carry you to the, you know, as, as they say now, it used to be you avoiding the bad losses. Now it's just about who you beat. And so, um, for Ole Miss, they beat a couple good, really good teams. For Oklahoma, they beat Kansas, like you said, and that got them in. So, Ole Miss had five Q1 wins. That's more than at least 14 other at-large teams. I think they had, like I said, no sub-100 losses, 35-36 in the net. It was, wasn't even close. There was not any sweating or nervousness as far as Selection Sunday goes. And- well, and I think the interesting thing, if you're Ole Miss, is I, I, I'm interested to see how Ole Miss schedules their non-conference next year because – They tried to um, schedule it hard this year, though. They did. They, they tried to. And, I mean, and they, they scheduled a lot of, you know, solid teams. Um, but Couldn't they, have they, ever they, predicted they, that Illinois State – and right. Well, you're getting a, you're getting a, a Butler. bad Butler team that's going right. to NIT. Uh, that Illinois State game – um, you know, when that game, when that series was scheduled, they were kind of the, the mid-major darlings there. Um, not anymore. Then obviously, 
in an ideal world, they hope that MTSU and Florida Gulf Coast will carry some weight. None of those did. But so I'm interested to see how they schedule because, you know, Ole Miss was safely in with a very, you know, poorly, you know, from a metric standpoint, a very low non-conference strength of schedule. So I I wonder if they try to beef it up a little bit or if they kind of keep that same formula of, um, you know, a few marquee games and then obviously just try and avoid the, you know, instead of scheduling Southeast Louisiana, who was net 249, bump that up to, you know, a, a net, you know, 180 team as opposed. So I'm interested to see what they go, how they go about if they load it up or if they just kind of make some incremental changes on the back end to kind of bump up that strength of schedule a little bit. At the end of the day, as long as you don't lose those games, you're good. And that's oh, yeah, what absolutely. was at its absolutely. best. And that Baylor win helped, but beating Auburn twice, beating State at State, you went on the road, you're good enough on the road, you win a neutral site game here and there, and don't lose any of those non-cons to the Illinois States or the Middle Tennessee States when they're bad, you're in. And if you hold your own in the SEC, because the SEC, I think this year, is fourth overall in conference ranking. In previous years, if you look at it, according to the net, Ole Miss would have probably gotten in, what, two or three more times under Andy Kennedy? But still, what would have been held against Ole Miss in the net reality of college basketball, even under those years under Andy Kennedy, the SEC was bad. I think seventh one right. year, sixth another year, behind the Mountain West one year. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. The SEC was bad. Yeah, so this year, yeah, SEC it was held, is Ole Miss was fourth. held because the SEC was so strong. Yeah, SEC is fourth. Uh, if you go by Kim Palm, um, and they just do, you know, he just does adjusted efficiency metrics of all the teams and so big 10 is first big 12 acc and then uh sec is right there and then there's a large gap in between the sec and everyone else behind them big east aac pac 12 so um it was it was definitely a good year and this league's only going to get better you know if you you the know coach is about to explode the, in this league yeah man it, it's going to be um you know if you've got a bad coach in this league you're already kind of getting exposed and um even more so next year so I, you know if we assume like there's the rumors of buzz williams going to texas a&m if they had him you know if you're if you're a school like uh, Arkansas or Vanderbilt, who's got a Bryce Drew and, you know, Arkansas is Mike Anderson. And you really have to think about going ahead and making a move now because I don't see any way like, you know, those guys are just Mike Anderson's a solid coach, but you know, it, it's hard to be a solid coach in this league. You've got to be very good at, you know, on the court and in recruiting because this league is about to get brutal from a, from a coaching talent and recruiting standpoint. Everything I heard in Nashville was Kelvin Sampson wants Arkansas. If he really wants Arkansas, I think they move on. It's Tuesday. I would think so. And yet Bryce Drew remains the head coach at Vanderbilt. I don't know what that job is right now. You're going to lose Darius Garland. It it feels like it might be too quick of a hook, but at the same time, I just feel like 0-18 is so hard to overcome. I'm just not sure you can overcome that. You can't convince me that Darius Garland was the difference between zero wins in the conference and, what, five, six? You couldn't have gotten Georgia once, Missouri once. You couldn't have done that? Right. When you look at that team, yeah, they they lose Darius Garland, but they got some guys, man. You know, the the big guy, Chateau, was really good. Saban Lee is good. Um, Aaron Neesmith is good. Matt Ryan is pretty good. I mean, th- th- they're not um, completely void of talent. So for that team to just not win a game is just it's it's astounding to me. Um, so I, I just 
it, it seems unfair and it seems like a pretty quick hook for Bryce Drew, but at the same time, I don't know that. It just, I mean, again, zero and eighteen is, is just something that I don't think you can kind of come back from. You shouldn't be able to come back from it. You shouldn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong at all. I mean, just the fact that you weren't able to pick off one, I, I just it it's just really hard to believe. Hard to believe. And Darius Garland is a lottery pick. He's awesome. Still, the difference between five, six wins in the league and zero is Darius Garland, one player. Come on, that's just absurd. Yeah. That's well, absurd. I mean, you know, even if it's just one, like just getting on the board somewhere, yeah. you know, they weren't competitive in a lot in most every game toward the end of the year. Well, it's you know it's funny that you know their their best game was against Tennessee of all teams took them to overtime and, and you know probably should have won that game. Second best game um, was probably Ole Miss to open SEC play. Yeah, uh, them and they played South Carolina pretty tight and, and gave them a run for their money. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was a lot of a lot of blowouts and just non competitive. I mean, they they uh, they went on the road and and got you know got close against Arkansas, but outside of that, it was just a lot of non competitive basketball games. But I heard so much in Nashville early on when I arrived early early on Wednesday that Avery Johnson has eyes for SMU. I heard very heavily that Bruce Pearl something could happen with him if this FBI stuff blows up in about a month. Now, Bruce Pearl just won the SEC tournament. Right. Auburn is safely in the NCAA tournament, built for tournament play. they got so much depth. But something could happen with Bruce Pearl. Will Wade, there's no way he comes back from that. Absolutely no way. Buzz Williams to Texas A&M. Here's something crazy for you. Billy Kennedy was fired. Everyone knew he was fired. And yet the news breaks on Twitter and everywhere else on the internet. And yet Billy Kennedy hadn't heard from anyone at his university at the SEC tournament that he was fired. Yeah. So he effectively learned as everyone else did online. That's, that that's he's been brutal, fired. man. That's brutal. But the Buzz Williams stuff, this feels very much like Jimbo with Texas A&M. feels very much like that to where the hire's effectively already been made. They're just waiting for Buzz to finish. And once he does, he's going to move on. But you think about adding Buzz to this. I mean, and listen to me. I'm not making this up. I know this for a fact. Ole Miss engaged with Buzz Williams very early in its search. So Buzz has always been looking. And the SEC's always been appealing. Back in 2013, before Andy Kennedy made the SEC tournament run, got the automatic bid. Now, they only had to get to Saturday, the NCAA selection committee said. But got to Sunday, got the automatic bid. Before that, Buzz Williams was, the, was at the top of Ole Miss's list. Should it not make the NCAA tournament and Ole Miss move on from Andy Kennedy? They were going to talk to Buzz Williams first. Buzz is the king of coaches looking for a contract reset. And to fall, if we can even call it that, from Virginia Tech when he was first at what Marquette and then turns yeah. around and gets Virginia Tech, then Texas A&M, that's a hell of a lot of pillow contracts. Well, I mean, you look at, at what Buzz has done, and really I mean, he's good such a good coach. Uh, but you, you know, you go to his his coaching record. You see six seasons at Marquette, and then he bounced. And this is year five at Virginia Tech. It's about that time for Buzz. By every account, he's looking to bounce, and it's not because he hasn't been able to build something good at Virginia Tech. That those guys are really good. I mean, he is. You know, they were safely in and and finished. I think they finished fifth in the ACC. Still and a weird fit a, with Virginia it, Tech. Always has been to me. It is, um, but I think Buzz is one of those guys that could go anywhere and, and be good, you know, because he's got Texas experience. He's got, um, you know, he's been in the South a little bit. He's been, you know, he was at Colorado State for a little while. I mean, he's been kind of all over. So um, I, I think he's a guy that can just kind of fit in wherever and just, you know, one of those guys that, 
you know, if you've got a basketball team, he'll come coach them and you'll be pretty good. That's why if you're Ole Miss, you can find comfort in that you have the SEC coach of the year that went to the NCAA tournament safely in year one at, a, at 20 and 12 overall, who knows this area, who knows this job. He's uniquely qualified for this job particularly. It was really interesting when I was putting together that oral history of Ole Miss's hire of Kermit Davis, what he what he said to me that when he was looking at jobs at Middle Tennessee, and he never really was quite looking, but whenever unique opportunities or one he thought he could fit popped up, he'd at least investigate it. When Ole Miss popped up, he said, look, I fit this job to a T. If you put me at UConn, I can't connect the dots there. I can connect the dots at Ole Miss. And he connected him in year one. And I expect there to be some tangible result for making the NCAA tournament and all the momentum Ole Miss basketball has built through the first year and into 2019 spring recruiting. And then 2020, you're going to hear a lot about Kadeem Sai in the next couple of months. You're going to hear a lot about Sean Robinson for 2020. You're going to hear a lot about Jamin Brakefield and whether or not he uh, not qualifies, but reclassifies from 2020 to 2019. All of those things come into focus here and gives you comfort if you're Ole Miss because the league's about to explode, that you've got the coach that's uniquely qualified for your job and Ole Miss basketball, in my opinion, has never been better positioned as far as consistent every year success moving forward. And that's, I think, the most encouraging thing if you're an Ole Miss person going forward, considering that this program last year was 12 and 20, and yet now you're in the NCAA tournament. Everything is going your way, and you have a coach that's uniquely qualified for your job. Action Network has Ole Miss minus one and a half against Oklahoma. About right? I think it's uh, I think it's probably a fifty fifty kind of toss up game. So yeah, I think that's pretty spot and on. And that's how eight nines are. Yeah, I mean if, if they if they match up right, that's how they should be. And this one I, this one absolutely is. So it very much is going to be uh, a coin toss game. Um, Ole Miss better offensive team. Oklahoma's better defensive team. Um, so it, it's going to be one of those. I, I think it could be a little ugly at times, but I, I think it's very much a, a pretty even matchup and. Um, you know, I, I think there were some some of those teams in the eight, nine, kind of 10 range that Ole Miss didn't match up particularly well against. I, th- I think Oklahoma, um, as much as you're going to find, is a, is a pretty good matchup for Ole Miss. I tried to come up with an ex- SEC comp for them. Does any team make sense for I you? don't know. That, I don't know that one really jumps out. They're um, small on the front line. Where Ole Miss has been like benefits with this matchup is Christian Doolittle is their best big. He's six, seven. Now, he's a pretty good rebounder. He's a pretty good scorer. I think he was the most improved player in the Big 12, at least got the award. Christian James is a good guard. But Ole Miss, where, where's its weakness? In the post. So to get an undersized post, that might help them in some way. Uh, Oklahoma isn't a particularly good rebounding team. Well, guess what? Ole Miss isn't either. So th- those negatives kind of offset each other. Ole Miss, I think, can benefit then from its three lead guards, and that's where its strength is going into the game. I, quite frankly, I expect Ole Miss to win on Friday, beat Oklahoma, and turn around and have a free shot against Virginia. Do I expect them to beat Virginia? Absolutely not. But I do think that they're going to win their first round. And quite frankly, anything from this point forward is gravy. Actually, everything since beating Missouri in Columbia is gravy. And that, to me, if you're in any way trying to pick Ole Miss's run or look – Eh, just just don't worry about it. Enjoy it for what it is because Ole Miss was never expected to be in this place. But I think Ole Miss, for any first-round matchup it could have gotten, Oklahoma, for a win, that's about as good a matchup as they could have gotten. Yeah, I mean, you know, they do some good things. I mean, they're pretty good um, in, in terms of, you know, they're they're pretty good. They're, they're vulnerable from three. 
But, you know, Ole Miss is so good in the mid-range. Oklahoma's pretty good against twos. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. And then, you know, they do have, you know, Brady Manick can shoot it a little bit as their five. You know, he's 6'9". He's not super huge, but um, he can step out and hit threes. I mean, he's shot almost 150 of them on the year, made 50. So, uh, you know, they're, they're two similar teams in that they kind of have the same kind of pieces. I think Ole Miss's guards are better. I think Oklahoma's big men are better. Um, but they're all kind of trying to do the same thing. So I, I think it's going to be and, – and from a coaching standpoint, I think it's a really good matchup because Lon Kruger's a hell of a basketball coach and Kermit's a oh, hell of a basketball coach. So, best is so just from just from like a scheming up and, you know, kind of uh, repartee back and forth, um, there's a lot of kind of good storylines here. And I think it's just going to be um, a, a really even matchup here. I, I think it's going to be – just two teams that are they're so incredibly similar, and they're just gonna, you know, things gonna come down the wire. Ninth appearance all time for Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament. That's nuts. Where are we drinking in Columbia? I mean, the play place is the dream. The, the good part about the arena is that it's right, basically on campus, and so there's a big. Uh, restaurant district right down there. It's downtown. And then probably about five minutes over, you have five points, which is where all the college bars are. So there's plenty of plenty of drinking holes to be found. So it's just dealer's choice, basically. Ole Miss fan wants to know, Columbia native Bennett Hip, where are the best places to get something to eat? Good steak. Where's that? Uh, there's a place right there, right there next to the stadium that's pretty good. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of places all over. If you're, uh, if you're coming to town um, – Shoot me a tweet. I'm at Bennett Hip, and I'll give you some recs for whatever you're looking for. So it's um, a lot of good. You know, Columbia is much better than it used to be five, ten years ago. A lot more restaurants, a lot of good local stuff, a couple breweries now. So and everything is, is pretty close down there towards the arena. So um, if you're coming to town, there's a lot of lot to do and good places to eat and drink. So you'll be you'll be pretty pleased. Give me the number one restaurant suggestion if somebody made you recommend a place. I mean, it depends on what they want, but. Um, you know, if you're looking for something kind of nicer, uh, Motor Supply is right there in, in the in the Vista, which is right down from the stadium. Um, Mr. Friendly's is kind of seafood up class. It's really good. So places like that. And then there's just a lot of kind of like capital places that are really good. So it's kind of whatever you're looking for, there's something there for you. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been at Hip at Ben at Hip if you haven't already. Subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Soon to be back on Rebel Sports Radio. More details to come on that. Also available on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, the website that I write for. Make sure to subscribe to the Ole Miss Spirit. This full week of Ole Miss NCAA tournament coverage, spring football is back in action. Hope to have a spring football update next week. I would assume that Ole Miss basketball season's season is going to come to an end on Sunday. So if it well, does, if it, if it does, yeah. If and if it doesn't, then I would. <laughs> we're going to be talking about much more important stuff than spring football. Yes. No offense. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ole Miss baseball. Mike Bianco announced on the Rubio Hotline on Monday. Doug Nikhazy is taking over as the Saturday starter in place of Zach Phillips, who will pitch on Wednesday against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Much needed move. Ole Miss won its SEC opening weekend over Alabama, taking two games. Uh, the Friday game, then on Sunday, Gunnar Hogland had a really good day. Houston Roth came back. Also, an up- update on Greer Holston, Roth, and Fowler on the Ole Miss Spirit, Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork joining us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line.
For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. At Cheney's Pharmacy, you get the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, ChaneysPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Joining me now on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line is Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork. Ole Miss is in the NCAA tournament, and the man who did the hiring of Kermit Davis, well, that's Ross Bjork. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, good morning, Ben. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm good, man. What's this week like for you, seeing Kermit Davis in year one, the guy you hired, leading Ole Miss into the NCAA tournament in year one? Just exciting, you know, really exciting, you know, for our players, uh, especially because they, they, they put in all the work and then, you know, see the coaches, you know, put a plan together and try to maximize, you know, our roster this year and, and then our fans. I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a winding road of Ole Miss basketball and, you know, not making the tournament since 2015 and, you know, 2013 before that. And, you know, only nine times in the history of our program, just really exciting, I think it just sets the course, you know, for long-term success, you know, of the program. You said it when you were asked about the criteria for what you were looking for in the next head coach of Ole Miss basketball, that you had an expectation of going into Selection Sunday, not hoping to be in, that life on the bubble had grown tiring for you. You wanted to know that Ole Miss was in. You didn't probably foresee it happening in year one, but uh, do you feel kind of – I asked you about this a couple of days ago, but do you, <laughs> did, you, did you feel kind of – proud or whatever it might be that it happened in year one because this was the expectation for you well yeah there's no doubt and 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 it was a surprise I mean to to go through the season and you know not really knowing exactly uh what would happen you know when Kermit took over and who would stay and who who was going to be developed and who would improve and to see Brian improve so much and you know Devante improve so much and and get the most out of these guys it was really, really satisfying, surprisingly satisfying, uh, because we didn't expect this. Uh, but, you know, after going 11 and 11 and three, um, you know, in the non-conference, you know, play, it was like, you know what? Hey, we, we have a shot here. And then knock off Vanderbilt on the road, obviously the big Auburn, you know, victory here at home. And then at Mississippi state, it was like, you know what? We might be for real. We might be legitimate. And then my comment about, you know, waking up on selection Sunday was really because I thought, you know what, the league is going to get better. The SEC is only going to get better. And historically, you know, really under Andy Kennedy, we've been in the top half of the league. We finished really no worse than, than the top half, except for last year. And I thought, you know what, if the league's better and you're in the top half, then you're going to be in the tournament. And I think that has proven to be uh, what's happened this year. So now we need to get in where you're in the top four and then you're fighting for a national seed and, you know, all those things. And, and that'll only come with more recruiting and more development. So really, really proud of Kermit and sky's the limit and it's only the beginning. That's a really good point about the league. Back when Andy Kennedy was making his runs and winning 20 games every single year, the league was one time sixth overall in the country. It was seventh behind the Mountain West one time. 
This year's fourth. It's a seven bid league. It's a really strong league. And I think the NCAA, as far as the net rankings are concerned, has really laid out the blueprint of how to get into the tournament as a power five conference, what you need to do. And Ole Miss did it. No sub 100 losses. Scheduled tough as you can in non con. You tried. Now, granted, the non con didn't turn out to be as strong as you thought it'd be because Butler wasn't as good as it usually is. Right. Illinois State and all that stuff. But schedule hard, win some of those games. And if you're in a good league, finish 10 and 8, win 11 and 7 games in your league like Ole Miss did in the SEC, and you're in. Do you foresee scheduling like that, you know, trying to be strong, the non-con, neutral site games? How does that affect scheduling, I guess, going forward for Ole Miss? Now no that doubt. you know the blueprint. No doubt. That's exactly right. And, you know, we're hopefully we can stay in the, the Big 12 Challenge because that gives you an extra game there. If not, then we're going to play an American team. Uh, so that's an alliance that's been created. So you're absolutely right. You have to schedule smart in the non-conference. You have to go on the road and play some of those games. So playing – you know, at Butler, even though we lost, it wasn't a bad loss. You know, at Illinois State, you win that game. You play some neutral site games against Cincinnati and, and, and Baylor. Those help you. You know, so next year we've got some, some good matchups. Uh, we're playing in the preseason NIT there in, um, in uh, Brooklyn, so that'll be a high-profile matchup. Oklahoma State is in there. Penn State, I think Michigan State is in there. You know, we're working on the the Memphis date, uh, playing Memphis up there, and then they'll return that game. So, you know, playing those type of opponents, and then you go, you know, ten and eight, you go eleven and seven, you go nine and nine in our league, and you're in the you're in the dance. Now, we, what we want to do is we want to be, hey, let's let's try to get a, a four or five, get a two seed, get a one seed someday. That's what you want to build towards. So, we're on the right track. There's no doubt about that. Do you think the NCAA's gotten it right now with the, with the net rankings? Because for a while, it was RPI, it was this, that, and the other. It seems like they always swing towards how they evaluate the teams and how they'll make their selections. Do you like the net? Do you think it's the right way to go? You know, I think it's proven to to be successful. If you look at sort of what the field looks like, you look at how the net was used, you know, it's sort of a sorting uh, tool is how the committee described it. You know, if you're NC State, your net was pretty high, you know, you don't like it because, you know, they were left out. Um, you know, so we were on the right side of it. But, I, again, I think it goes back to you have to be smart in your non-conference scheduling. Uh, so I think the committee has sent a message, you know, with the net formula that you better be smart in non-conference scheduling. So I think for the first year, I think it has worked. I know there's there might be some uh, tweaks you know, to the scoring margin and, and some of those things that they'll look at. But I think overall it's proven to be a really good tool. I know I was refreshing it every day the last month of the season. Every day around 11 o'clock, it was like, all right, where are we today? Let's see where we are. And uh, so that was always a good feeling knowing that you were, you were in the mix. It was really interesting when I was doing that oral history of the hire of Kermit Davis, and you were a big help in that, obviously. But Kermit said he couldn't connect the dots at UConn if you put him there, but he could connect the dots yeah. here, that it fit him here. Did you sense that when you talked to him, that this was a unique person for this job in particular? There's no question. Um, you know, one, I was able to, to watch Kermit up close and personal being in the, in the Sun Belt and being at, at the rival school uh, with Middle Tennessee, being there at Western Kentucky. So I, I saw him up close. And then you talk to basketball people and you say, hey, who are the top five you know, X's and O's coaches? in college basketball and Kermit's name was always in the top five. And so you combine that with the knowledge of the game, you know, I think he has a great, you know, eye for talent. I think if you look at KJ Buffin and Blake Henson, you know, eyeing those guys and sort of getting ahead of 
of what the national you know viewpoint on those kids would have been and saying, you know what, KJ Buffin has a huge upside. Let's get him now. You know, I think he has an eye for for talent and and development of, of players. And then you, oh yeah, by the way, you have the added bonus of being a Mississippi guy. And like you said, being able to connect the dots, you know, with our community, with our fan base, you know, in the recruiting world, let's build the program, let's create energy. He's a perfect fit in the SEC footprint. And, you know, he can walk into, I think, any gym in this state. He can walk into any gym in this region. And there's automatic respect because people know that he knows basketball and he knows how to develop young men. So we heard all that in the interview process and then the passion, the energy that he has. I mean, his leg literally, his leg was moving up and down 100 miles an hour. He was so excited about talking about the old Miss job because he thought he was a perfect fit. And uh, obviously, once we went through the process, you know, we did, too. And it's it's taken off in year one. This is the ninth NCAA tournament appearance all time for Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament. Let's not act like it's a whole lot. So I'm sure there are questions for you in the process, the coaching search process, about the commitment to Ole Miss basketball. What were the conversations like that with coaches when they would ask you about the job or maybe perceptions of the job and things like that? You know, what we did is we, uh, we put together a booklet. We had a booklet. We profiled, you know, the budget. We profiled, you know, private plane usage. Uh, that the university has a plane. We have donors who provide planes. So, you know, recruiting, you know, logistics, you know, we had all that set up. Obviously, the facilities between the TUI Center and the pavilion at Ole Miss, I mean, that that's over $100 million worth of facilities, you know, just dedicated to basketball. Uh, you know, since uh, Kermit got here, we put over $250,000 in, back into the TUI Center in terms of graphics and just other improvements you know, that he and Coach Yolette uh, came up with. So, you know, you're constantly investing. And so, you know, the whole thing about, hey, Ole Miss was not committed, you know, to me, that was sort of unfair because when you put it all on paper, you're going, you know what, they are committed. You know, assistant salary pool, obviously we wanted to, to make sure we were uh, competitive and in the game there as well. And so you put it all on paper and – people looked at it and they're like, there's no reason why Ole Miss, you know, can't be in the top half of the SEC with this type of investment. The university wants to be successful at basketball. It can be a great draw for our fans. You know, really, I think that was a, that was an easy conversation because we just showed it, you know, right there on paper. And then when people got here and toured our facilities and same thing on the women's side, we brought women's coaches in here from around the country and they looked at it like, how come Ole Miss isn't winning? You know, what, what's, what's the matter here? And so we always thought that we have the ingredients, we have the investment, and you bring the right leaders and the right coaches and the right energy, then, you know, we can turn this place into, into basketball programs, both on the men and women's side. Fans show up. Almost fans show up if you give them a winner. I mean, they've proven that time and time again. And they showed up in droves for Ole Miss basketball. To see it alive like that, that had to be exciting too. That's why we built the pavilion. You know, we wanted a place that was, uh, you know, had great fan amenities and a great fan experience and create a home, you know, court atmosphere and put the students on three sides of the court so they're close to the action. You know, then you got, you know, you got Morgan Freeman showing up. You got celebrities showing up. I mean, that's what you want. You want a vibrant place where people walk out of there, you know, win or lose, and they're like, you know what, I had a blast, I'm, I'm coming back. Or, hey, that was worth my investment, you know, as a season ticket holder. So I think we captured that. And now now the goal is, you know, we, we, we didn't really 
sell that many more season tickets this year. I think people were taking a wait and see attitude. And so now, you know, we sold 4,700 season tickets last year. You know, we need to get that over well over 5,000. We need to get close to 6,000 season tickets and, and really make it a tough ticket where, hey, you know what, I've got to buy a season ticket. I've got to invest on the front end. And I think we're going to get there. I think with this run, with Kermit's energy, his passion, recruiting going well, we're going to get there. But that's exactly what you wanted to see is an atmosphere. I think Kermit would describe it as, hey, it jumps off the screen when people watch it on TV. And, and that's what you want to have you know, day in and day out. Okay, so when are you going to hang the NCAA tournament banner? I know they haven't made their run yet here or anything <laughs> like that. But is there going to be like a – yeah, know, an honoring that'll be hung in the off season. Okay. Yeah, right. that'll be hung in the off season. We'll have it up there. Um, you know, we'll add it. Uh, we'll add the year 2019. You know, to the banner. Hopefully, it's a strong run. You add a Sweet 16 or you know something like that. So, yeah, those banners will be updated uh, in the off season. That's for sure. What are the major projects y'all are working on right now? You know, we're finishing up uh, in in the athletic department. We're finishing up the the training room in the Manning Center, which uh, really really services all of our student athletes, but primarily football. Uh, really opened it up. It's an it's a wide open floor plan. We have all new uh, hydrotherapy uh, tubs and, and pools in there now, and it's really a great complex for us. Um, that that's probably the the biggest project we have ongoing right now. And then uh, in the Tui Center basketball. Uh, we want to update our player lounges and, and make put some modern, um, you know, appliances in there and things like that. Uh, so we're looking at that project in, in the off season, um, and then you know our track and field, you know, locker room space uh, is is woefully behind. We need to improve the space there and, and make it bigger. And then some of the bigger projects in the next three to five years: Hall of Fame uh, right here in the North Plaza, and then softball and soccer. We want to try to enhance those projects uh, but a lot of the big stuff you know has been taken care of and now we need to you know continue to get better and you always refresh graphics and and those sort of things um, and then the campus we're taking down all of these power poles that are here on the north end zone of the football stadium those are actually going to come down in the next couple of weeks so it'll really clean up that space and, and make that you know much more aesthetically pleasing. So lots of little things happening right now, Ben, um, that uh, hopefully will make a big difference you know for our, our programs. Where are season tickets for football? Uh, we sold uh, we sold just over eleven thousand season tickets so far. It's kind of early in the process. Uh, the the renewal deadline is uh, towards the end of March here, um, and so you know we're we're a little bit uh, behind where we were last year and the year before. Uh, but I, I know those things will pick up with spring ball happening and, you know, lots of interest around, you know, our, our coaching staff and Matt Corral's energy. And so we're really just beginning the whole sales cycle uh, with lots of time between now and, you know, the first of uh, September. I think when I talked to Michael Thompson last, he mentioned remaking or re-envisioning or reimagining the game day atmosphere of football. Is that something you're involved in? Do you think that's something that's necessary? Absolutely. You know, we uh, we got back our survey uh, information, and um, you know, from the football season, and that was one of the things we heard is, you know, there's there's a lot of dead time, you know, in our games, and and we do, you know, we want to honor people and recognize, you know, sponsors and and things like that, but sometimes that can kill the atmosphere, and so we're looking at revamping that entire structure. Um, and just again, it's all about entertainment. It's all about fan experience. You have to keep people engaged. Um, so we're looking at revamping sort of our entire cycle of 
how's the band involved? How do we play music? What, what kind of announcements, you know, do we make? Uh, we need to pay the bills, if you will, with some of those sponsor activity, but is there a better way to do it? That's more ingrained into the, the entertainment aspect. Um, so we're looking at all those things and I'm heavily involved in that. It's, it's very, very important uh, to our program that we have a vibrant, you know, home field atmosphere, you know, for our team. So we're looking at all those things. I mean, you could just serve beer, Ross. That'd be a simple change, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I Sell mean, beer on. in the stadium. It yeah. would solve all your problems. Yeah. A little more complicated than that. We have, <laughs> uh, we have some state laws. We have some SEC policies. Oh, we have, on, a, have a few things in the way. But, you know, I, I do, in all seriousness, I do think that day is going to happen at some point in time where we have to look at that. We have to look at, again, the entertainment aspect and, and really the safety aspect. Every study that is out there says that if you sell beer in your stadium, you cut down on the binge drinking that occurs you know, 30 minutes before the game. And most of our problems that are in the stadium, people getting sick, people over-consuming because they feel like, hey, I've got to I've got to have that last, you know, that last drink, you know, or last five drinks right before I go in. But if they know they can buy it in the stadium, it cuts down on a lot of those issues. So uh, I think at some point in time that day will, will come. Um, it'll take a few steps to, to get there, but I, I think we have to move in that direction, you know, at some point in time. I remember when Ole Miss was struggling to get students to come to basketball games the suggestion I had for everybody was, hey, do it like you and O, man. Put a bar in the middle of the student section. That's the way to go. <laughs> right, them, exactly. I mean, because baseball, I think we they need got to be careful with our students. Yeah. But, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. But yeah. but I do think, you know, you have to be progressive. And, and again, I think it's something that we'll, we have to look at, and I think it's going to happen at some point in time. How are you evaluating football this year? What are you watching? How are you watching it? You know, I'm, I, I think, you know, energy around the program, um, is one thing. Also, just, you know, are we going to get better? How, how are we improving? Are we maximizing, you know, our, our talent, maximizing our roster? I, I love the fact that, you know, we've added, uh, gosh, 32, you know, uh, incoming, you know, freshmen or, or transfers, uh, maybe a few more, you know, on the graduate transfer market here in the spring. You know, so we're getting back to 85, you know, scholarships and having the full depth. And, you know, we're going to be obviously a, a young team, um, in, in certain spots, but I, I think there's a lot of talent there. So, you know, let's see energy, let's see coaching, let's see improvement, let's be competitive, let's, let's, let's know that we're in the game and know that we, we know how to compete at, at, in this conference and in, in this level. And, you know, how many wins does that equate to? If you ever put a number on, hey, we, ha- we need to win this many games, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So I want to see, you know, Ole Miss, you know, back to what you said earlier, Ole Miss has always responded, you know, when there's been a challenge or when people are needed to support the university. I want to see our fans support our program. And when people look at our stadium on TV, they're like, man, didn't Ole Miss just go through sort of a, an NCAA challenge? And haven't they had some uh, struggles there? Well, look at that place. That place is packed. That place is energetic. You know, those, that team is competing. You know, look how they're fighting. That that's what I want to see, and and we we need our fans. We need our fans to be a part of that uh, opportunity that lies ahead. And so we're going to be looking at all those things. Um, obviously, we want to win. 
Uh, but we know that there's still a building process, you know, under Coach Luke. And I love his tough-minded approach. I love the no-nonsense aspect of it. We're grinding every day to get better, and it's going to pay off. And uh, that's what I'm looking forward to as we move into 2019. I do think it's understandable, though, that fans, those that are apprehensive about it right now, they just want to wait and see. I think that's fair and understandable, right? Absolutely. It's always fair. You know, it's it's their discretionary income. It's their investment. Uh, it's their call. You know, we can't force anyone. But I think our job is to, to sell and ask and, and really showcase that, hey, do you do you love the university? You know, can you help us? You know, the ingredients of a great program start with a great fan base. And we have a great fan base. You know, we need to activate them. We need to, to ask them to come. And that's our job, and, and we'll do that. And if there's apprehension, I, I totally understand it. And that's, that's our job. Our job is to produce and show them that it's worth the investment, uh, that we're, we're working hard and we're doing it the right way and we're moving this program forward. So that's going to be our, our goal you know, this spring and, and summer is to get out there and just showcase this program and, and ask people to, to come along for the ride. Well, last one, the town halls. What's the vibe you got? Uh, was it a useful tool? Did you learn some things? And were you able to really get the pulse of the fan base like you wanted to, getting up close and personal with them? I believe it was very useful. Uh, you know, the people that uh, came up to me afterwards, they were very appreciative. They thanked us for, for being there. And, and look, we, we answered every question uh, openly and, and honestly, uh, like we do every day. And we just said, look, here's what happened. Here's what we believe. If if there's a, a conspiracy or some theory out there, here's here's why we believe that happened. Uh, we were very uh, just transparent about everything, and so I thought it was helpful. I think we learned a lot. I think the people that were there in the audience uh, learned a lot. Yeah, there was there was lots of emotions. There was there was uh, happiness and in, in support of hey, let's move forward. There was anger of hey, why did this happen? And I don't agree with this. And can you explain this? Uh, so there was a little bit of everything, but I think overall people were like, okay, let's turn the page. You know, let's move forward that, look, we can't go back and change anything that happened. What we can do, though, is we can impact the future, and that's by, you know, being involved and uh, being invested in the program. And so I think the town halls were very useful. Uh, I got a lot out of it. I think it was good to to look people in the eye, and they could look me in the eye and now we can uh, continue to, to press forward. I'm just interested. I have to ask you this. Okay, so an, another athletics director comes up to you. The NCAA's come calling, be it other schools that are dealing with some stuff. Ole Miss just went through this whole six-year-long process. What would your advice be to them? Well, the, the hard part of the whole thing is you can't really just close your door and say, hey, get off our lawn. I mean, it doesn't oh, work that way. Okay. The, there, there's a principle um, in the NCAA bylaws that you, you have an obligation to cooperate. Now, what I would say is in line with that cooperation, if that's what you want to call it, is I would say control. So what I would say, and actually I have, I have spoken to several athletic directors who are walking down this path, and I said, mm. be, be in control. Let the university be in control. Um, and so that would be my advice is be in more control at the university level with your legal counsel, with the athletic department that, you know what, control the process. Don't, don't have them come to you and say, Hey, we need this, this, and this. You got to be proactive because you have to disprove negatives 
you have to disprove, you know, allegations that may be tied on, on loose, you know, corroborating evidence, if you will. And so be in more control, be more proactive, you know, with pieces uh, of evidence or, or information. Um, and so, you know, quote unquote, you have to cooperate. You don't have a choice not to cooperate. And so the Missouri case, unfortunately, pointed out that, hey, maybe you shouldn't cooperate. No one wants that. No one wants that in our industry, but I, I would use the word control the process at the university level as, uh, as somebody would, would walk down this path. I would hope that the NCAA, though, can see that procedurally there's some things they can do to be better. No, no question. And they, they've, shored, they've shored a few things up from, from that regard. Um, where they're giving more access, you know, to information. And, and I think they, they learned lessons, um, and they got dinged on our case in terms of how they treated us, especially in the latter part. And, and so I, I think there are some lessons learned on, on both sides, and, and they have changed a few things. And, look, my, my goal is to never have this happen again. And so we don't ever want to go down this path again. Um, but we have the, we have the toolbox and we have the experience and, you know, we'll, we'll help other schools as they walk down this path and, and give them our, our input. And that's what I would say is be in more control. If only there was an institution to check the NCAA, that would make it all better. It would. Yeah, it yeah. would. He's Ole Miss Athletics no Director Ross Bjork. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy Columbia. Absolutely, Ben. I appreciate it. Go Rebels. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. That was Ole Miss Athletics Director Ross Bjork. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions in the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. All right, let's look at the overall bracket. Who do you like right now as your final four teams? Oh, it's tough. So I'm not, you know. It feels it, it, really chalky. It honest. does, but I'm not super in love with any of the teams at the top. Like, I, you know, I, I really like Duke. Um, I love Duke. Love I really them. love Duke, and I think they'll I think they'll go pretty far. But they do have some question marks. They're not, you know, they don't have a ton of shooters. They don't have a ton of depth. Um, I, I think the biggest takeaway from this bracket is I think that the round of 32 games could be really really fun. Like you look at the Midwest. I mean, you could have. You know, I guess on they play Saturday. So I guess on Saturday you could have Auburn, Kansas. You could have Iowa State, Houston. You could have Wofford, Kentucky. I mean, those are those are like really really great games. So you look up in the South, Tennessee, Cincinnati would be really really fun. Ole Miss, Virginia, obviously could be really really fun. 
I, I think there's just, you know, from a scheduling standpoint, just from like being around your TV and watching good games, I think the committee did a great job putting together some, some really, you know, potentially really interesting matchups um, for the first weekend. But for me, I mean, I, I think Duke goes far. Uh, I think North Carolina goes pretty far. I think they're, I think they're in pretty good shape. There's no one really in that uh, Midwest region that really scares me at all. The one that, I, that I'm kind of struggling with is Gonzaga because I, I like a lot of what they do. I think Mark Few is a good coach, but I, I just that team has been kind of on cruise control for the past month or so. You know, they play in the West Coast Conference or whatever, and there's not a bunch of good teams out there. So um, I think if, if they're going to have an upset, it would be them. And then Virginia, I mean, who knows? Um, just because we saw last year they go down to 16 – I think they're really good. I think they're really, really good. But again, you know, we'll see if they kind of have some flashbacks to last year. What are you? Uh, so, who are you kind of looking for? First off, the Midwest is absolutely brutal. And no, how about the selection committee helping Kansas again? There's a chance <laughs> that number one seed UNC could get, have to take on Kansas, a four seed in Kansas City. I don't understand how Kansas consistently and always constantly gets help from the NCAA selection committee, but the Midwest is loaded. I'll tell you my surprise pick, if it's even that, to make it to the Elite Eight. I think Auburn's getting to the Elite, to the Elite Eight. I think they're I built. I totally see forward. it. I mean, I, I think that uh, I think that 4-5 game with Auburn and Kansas is just going to be a barn burner, and I, and I think Auburn wins that basketball game. And I definitely want to see North Carolina-Auburn. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, Auburn is so tough because, you know, Ole Miss saw them twice. And I think if you just saw those two games, you're just, you know, like, well, I don't really see it. But, you know, uh, you know, on Sunday against Tennessee, when they're just clicking on every cylinder, you see it. I mean, big, big, big man in Wiley doing big things down low, shooting threes from everywhere, diving for loose balls, just really, you know, athletic and fast, you know, dictating tempo, causing turnovers. You know, that is what Bruce Pearl wants to do, and, and that was what they did on Sunday. So I'm excited to see how they kind of transfer over, but I definitely think uh, I, I want to see that Kansas-Auburn game. I think it's going to be really fun. A couple of games I'm eyeing this week, Mississippi State and Liberty. Liberty's a sneaky, really good team, and I look forward to watching Mississippi State hang with them. I think Mississippi State's going to win, but I think that can be a really fun game. Duke's going to come out of the East. That's just going to happen. I, I don't think yeah, she's yeah, got fire, sure. firepower to do it. I don't love Michigan State. So Duke's coming out of that. Um, as far as the West is concerned, the Nevada-Florida game on March 21st, I think it'd be a really fun game if you're looking at week one matchups. Nevada-Florida, to me, could be a last-second kind of game. Yeah, I want to see that and then kind of stick it in the West. You I know, think Murray they, State's getting Marquette. I think it's, I, I want to see that game. Just, you know, John Morant, is, uh, he's just really, really good and – um, but I want to see, you know, if they both can win, I want to see Texas Tech Buffalo. Buffalo is, is probably, you know, doesn't get enough love, you know, because they're a smaller conference or whatever, but they're really, really good. Nate Oates is a really good coach. And, um, you know, Chris Beard's built a monster at Texas Tech. So I want to see that matchup. But I think you're right. I think I think Murray State's going to get them. And, you know, if they can get past Florida State, I, I think uh, I think Murray State can make a little run there. So uh, I definitely want to see that game. It's going to be a really good one. Look, John Moran's going to be the number one pick in the draft after Zion, and I think that accounts for something in tournament play. Every year, you have one of those guys that just emerges and takes over the tournament. Marshall did it for a week right. against Wisconsin, and then had they beaten LaSalle, gone to the Sweet 16, it had been Marshall mania in L.A. Unfortunate that Reggie A. didn't get the block or Derek Billinghouse B. didn't make the shot, but Marshall took that over. But I'm speaking more about C.J. McCollum. 
Uh, of course, Ste- you know Steph Curry in the run. Kimball Walker, Kimball Walker, Mateen Cleaves. I think John Morant could have a NCAA tournament similar in that similar mold as those guys. Yeah, something, something solidifying his just, spot. Yeah, something to be said for just having a dude and just you know that dude kind of carrying you. And you know, if you if you haven't watched Murray State this year, and that's you know certainly no whatever they're a small school, but. If you haven't, absolutely tune into them because he is just, you know, he is unbelievable. He's athletic as all get out. Uh, he's a really, really good player and will make you wonder how in the world he got away from South Carolina to go to Murray State. But um, he's he's a must-see TV. There's no doubt about that. I think Virginia's getting bounced in the Sweet 16 because Virginia and March Madness, they just don't go together very well. My question is whether or not if Tennessee gets Cincinnati, if Iowa doesn't get Cincinnati, if Tennessee and Cincinnati face off, that is a very – interesting matchup as far as the way Cincinnati plays and how slow Tennessee can be. Yeah. I, I'm not super sure what to think about Tennessee, honestly, because I, I like a lot of Me those either. players and I, I think Rip Barnes is pretty good, but you know, um, I, I like that Cincinnati team a lot, seeing them, uh, seeing them play a bunch this year. And I, I just think at some point, you know, Tennessee is going to have to deal with not having, you know, a go-to guy, you know, when the, when the time gets tough, yeah, Grant Williams can do that, but He's mostly just a big man. You know, he'll shoot from three a little bit, but something to be said for not having an elite star level player. And you know, I think Tennessee at some point is going to have to grapple with that. And um, you know, I, I looked, I saw a stat the other day that you know, Rip Barnes, you know, when when he's a one seed, he's really really good. But you know, his last few times in the tournament have not gone well. So I uh, I, I kind of think Cincinnati gets them if they get there. Um, but obviously, we could also they're good. Tennessee's good enough to where they could make a run through the South. But I, I do think Cincinnati can get them if they get there. I think Oregon's getting this Wisconsin, and I'll I think this is going to absolutely happen. The lowest seed Final Four team is going to come out of the South. Now I don't know who that's going to be. I like Purdue, but I, I feel like the South could Villanova be could be a six that makes the the Final Four. <laughs> yeah, I think the South could could be really really chaotic or. It could be super boring chalk and just Virginia, you know, doesn't worry about last year and do what they do. And they just, you know, suffocate you on defense and, and figure out enough offense to make it work and, and kind of do whatever they want to do. Um, so I, I think it's going to be kind of one of those two. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't be able to bet on which one it would be. But there's a lot of good but not great teams in, in that region. And, you know, Virginia is. Um, if you look at the efficiency numbers, they're they're way up there, and the numbers love them. But again, we saw that team get super tight last year. So what happens if against you know an Ole Miss in round two or Sweet 16 against Kansas State or Wisconsin or Oregon, or whoever? If they're down kind of late, do, you know, do they freak out again? I mean, what do they do? So I definitely want to see it. I think it's um, you know I don't know that you can pencil them in and feel good about it in your Final Four or anything like that. Who's your Final Four? Um, I've got, you know, I, I've got Kentucky coming out of the Midwest. They're going to get North Carolina in the elite eight. So I've got, uh, I've got Kentucky out of the Midwest. I've got, I don't know what to do in the, in the South. Um, I think I'm going to end up with Cincinnati getting there. Cause I just love that team. I love, it. so I'm going to do that. Duke's going to get there out of the, out of the East and then the West. Um, it's not going to be Gonzaga for me at all. I'm going to go Texas tech. Texas tech was going to be my pick. I don't love Michigan. My final four is Duke, Texas Tech. I'm going to give this to Virginia only because I want to be a true believer. 
<laughs> Even though I think the lowest seed will come out of the South and going against my prediction, I, I had to make a pick, and quite frankly, I couldn't pick the lower seed that I thought would make it. I either right. I think it's easy to say, oh well. Yeah, I think it was. You know, it's easy to say, oh well, Virginia's going to lose, someone else will go. But then you look at the rest of the teams of the South. Like, who are you picking? Like, I went with Cincinnati, but that's like, my problem. They could, they could easily lose round two to Tennessee, or you know, round one to Iowa. Iowa's not terrible. So yeah. So if I'm going to pick a bracket, I mean, pick a team in a bracket challenge. Even though I believe the lowest seeds coming out of the South in the Final Four, <laughs> I'm going to go with Virginia in a bracket challenge because I want to be in the top percentile. So I'm going to Virginia. So Duke, Texas Tech, Virginia, and Auburn. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. Um, you know, if we could get, um, you know, if Auburn comes out of that top half of the region and we get Kentucky, Auburn, man, that would be. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be a, a really, really great Elite Eight game. So. Even though Kentucky is my favorite team in this in this whole tournament. Yeah, well, I think Kentucky is always tough because, you know, we've seen the last few years that, you know, Kentucky can be really good and, and just kind of they're so young and they're so dependent on, you know, whether it's shooting one year or big men the next year. It's just hard to be that young and, and to make it make a run. You know, things happen. But I really like this team. Tyler Harrow is so good on the perimeter. They've got a bunch of good defenders. P.J. Washington's playing about as good as basketball as anyone else in the country right now. So. You know, I know they lost against Tennessee or whatever, but I just um, – I really like that team. And I think they – I think Cal gets them together and I think they make a run. Um, but I definitely want to see round two, Kentucky Wofford. Uh, that's going to be a fun one if that happens. Uh, I love that Wofford team. Fletcher McGee can shoot the lights out, and um, they've got some guys. So that would be a really fun round two if it can happen. The bottom line is nobody will out-talent Duke. They're far and away the most talented team in the country and in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, if Zion's healthy, man, you know, it's um, it, it's hard to see kind of what they're undoing is because I think he'll just carry them for a while. Um, but I, I think if you're going to have some issues there, it's um, an off night shooting or they get in foul trouble or someone gets hurt. Cause, you know, they don't have a lot of depth. And so um, they're very much dependent on those three freshmen. And, you know, it it's OK because they're really, really good. But. Um, you know, if you get in the Sweet 16 and it's, uh, you know, Duke, Virginia Tech, I think that could be a pretty good battle or, or Duke, Mississippi State. Uh, I think Mississippi State has the pieces to kind of hang around there. So, um, I, I mean, I am intrigued to see how kind of Duke handles the test, but um, I, I don't love Michigan State as a two there. I think LSU is going to lose pretty early as a three. So I think that that region could kind of empty out pretty fast to, to Duke's benefit. Duke's win the whole thing. I don't I mean, I, I can't. I can't disagree. I mean, I, I think uh, they've got a good a shot to anybody else. I mean, I, I think um, it would be fitting. You know, this whole basketball season has been a big showcase of Zion, and so there, there's no better way to end it than with Duke getting there and just winning the whole thing. So I, I totally see it. Project the future. Will Ole Miss basketball be back in the NCAA tournament next year? I think so. Um, I, I think it's going to be a different journey, though, you know, because – um, we'll, we'll see for the first time how long it takes a, a new roster to kind of gel together because, you know, Kermit came in this year and he added Blake Henson, he added KJ Buffin. Um, but for the most part, this team was, you know, the same as the team from last year. And so they didn't really have to do a whole lot of coming together. It's just learning a new system and a new style. But from a personnel standpoint, these are guys that already all played with each other. And so I think next year is going to be interesting because, if the talk is, is right, there's going to be a lot of roster shakeup, going to be a lot of new faces. So it's going to be 
Um, you know, the, the question this year was how quickly can they learn the system and, and kind of learn how to play the way current wants to play next year is going to be how quickly can they gel, come together, um, build some chemistry, that kind of stuff. So I think they get back, uh, but I think it's a very different journey from the one this year, just because of, you know, the way the roster will look compared to this one. Starting rotation predictions. Hmm. Devonte Shuler, Brian Tyree, Blake Henson, KJ Buffin and Kadeem Sai. Yeah, see, I mean, I think the issue, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong there. I think what you wanted, I mean, they really like Bryce Williams. And so I, I wonder if you could put him there. Because the issue there is I don't know if you want to do all three of Cy, Buffin, and Henson. Um, because I, and I think Buffin is the one that, you know, if he takes a jump in terms of shooting, can really make a difference and kind of play with whoever. But the issue, if you're going to start KJ's, you've got to have some shooting elsewhere for spacing purposes. So you've well, got that's to, how I see Blake because I think he's going to become a more proficient three point shooter. That's all he wants yeah, to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. It's all he wants to do. He's got to be better at it. So um, I, I'm interested to see. I, I want to see what Bryce Williams looked like because I think there's a pretty. You know, I think he could come right in and just take Terrence Davis's role and just fit right in pretty seamlessly as a starter. Um, if they wanted to do that, they might be a little undersized on the perimeter if they do that. Uh, but I think that can make a lot of sense. Then obviously we'll see what they do um, if they have a couple guys reclassify and that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of up in the air. But obviously you got the two guys up top that'll that'll be there. And um, I, I think Bryce Williams maybe doesn't start, but obviously he's going to play a major major role for this team. So I, I just think he'll kind of slide into that Terrence Davis role. What we're watching for this week brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. To find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep, visit Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Two games, Ole Miss baseball, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Tuesday and Wednesday. Zach Phillips moved out of the weekend rotation to Wednesday. And then this weekend, road tripping to Missouri. And Doug Nikhazy making his weekend rotation debut on Saturday. Will Etheridge still on Friday. Gunnar Hogland on Sunday. And then, of course, Ole Miss and the NCAA tournament on Friday and spring football practices. It's a busy time right now. I know the NCAA tournament is the answer, but outside of that, what's the one thing you're most interested in looking for out of Ole Miss Athletics this week? Uh, I want to see Doug Nikhazy on Saturday. You know, I thought he's been really good so far. Uh, pitched well against Louisville. Um, I really like his stuff. You know, he's not going to overpower you, but he's, you know, he really, really knows how to pitch. And um, I've been impressed with what he's done so far. And I want to see how he carries that over into a weekend start, you know, because obviously Louisville's a really good team. They're much better than Missouri, but there's just different. But, you know, playing on a Wednesday afternoon as opposed to on a Saturday in the SEC. So I think that's probably the thing I'm, I'm most looking forward to, because if he can figure it out, um, you know, that kind of solves the weekend rotation issue. And at that point, it's just kind of getting the offense to click and getting on a run. So I, I'm pretty intrigued by that. That's probably what I'm looking forward to the most. Mitch Tidwell believes this move will change the complexion of the entire season. Book it, he says. Doug Nikhazy is 1-2 on the year, 4.15 ERA. His FIP is 3.78. And if you know me and Bennett, we go by FIP. And his FIP is 3.78. <laughs> He's appeared in eight games, two starts, 1.44 whip is a concern, but he's striking out 10.38 per nine innings, which ranks third on the team. He could be a stabilizing presence more than anything else. Now, you don't love the fact that you got two true freshmen in the starting weekend rotation, but that helps you for next year because if you look at that offense going into next year, there's a lot of concern as far as how they're going to be able to generate runs. This sets up the rotation, however, if he's able to perform for the future and really being good and competitive as a pitching staff is concerned, not only next year but the year after as well with those two guys anchoring it. 
Yeah, I think it's probably not ideal, but at the same time, you know, you get to a certain point in the schedule. And talent you're not is really talent a, is talent. Yeah, I mean, you're not really a freshman anymore. You know, yeah, you're a freshman right now, but a month from now when you've had four or five SEC series to, to pitch in, yeah, you're te- there's a freshman, you know, there's an FR by your name on the roster, but you're not really a freshman anymore. You, you're kind of into it at that point. So, um, especially with Ole Miss, you know, they kind of get into that middle part of the SEC schedule and um, you're playing good team after good team after good team. And so at some point you just kind of grow up and you're just a, a guy in the rotation now and not just a freshman. So um, I, I think they're both going to be pretty good. And I, I think you saw on Sunday the potential for Gunnar Hogland is just sky high. I mean, that was, you know, that start showed you, okay, well, that's why he was a first round pick. So I think it's pretty encouraging, and now it's about going on the road and and finding a way to get two and and you know hopefully at least you know at least two and, and probably three if they want to be honest. Give me the stuff and the projectability, and that's what Doug Nikhazy has. I think it's the perfect move. It's the right move. Should have happened a week or two ago. So Doug Nikhazy of the weekend rotation. Ole Miss basketball in the NCAA tournament Friday, eleven forty Central Time against Oklahoma on True TV. Find that. I don't know where the hell it is in perspective. <laughs> in your respective guide list, but check out True TV for Ole Miss, Oklahoma, the NCAA tournament. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday. I don't know if it'll be Ben. It might be Kentrell Lockett. I don't know who the guests will be working on Jason Harrison, but back on Thursday, this has been Talk of Champions. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.